Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers, and, uh, and bless all you women too. Amen. Created in the image of God. And uh, so we just honor all the ladies, but especially the moms, for your great contribution to all of our lives. Amen. Well, I've got 35 minutes to do six points. This is going to take a move of God. So let's get right into the word. I believe I have a great Mother's Day message for you. It's a, mom's, it's, a, it's a message for moms and dads and kids and men and women. I'm going to talk about temptation today. Amen. So we're in a series right now entitled The Tea in the Road. And, uh, you know, we're all on a journey in our life, and we all come up to intersections in our life where we have to make a choice in which direction we're going to go. And a couple weeks ago, I started this message talking about spiritual tests and trials that we all face in our lives. And uh, sometimes tests and trials are satanically, uh, you know, they're, they're very satanic other times. There's something very divine and sovereign about what God is doing. And uh, here's what we know about tests. Whatever the enemy intends for evil, God always has a greater plan for it. And so, but temptation is different. Temptation does not come from God at all. Temptation is straight out of the pit of hell. And uh, so you could say it like this. God may test us to bring out the best in us, but Satan tempts us to bring out the worst in us. And so we're going to talk about that today. And uh, there's a scripture I want us to look at found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to read verses 12 and 13. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That's the word. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, you know how much I need you. And I rely upon you right now, and I pray for every one of us here today, God, that you would speak to us clearly about what you need us to hear in our lives, for our lives, for everyone in this room today, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Turn to somebody and say, this one's just for you. Go ahead and tell them that. So, it's really important to understand that temptation is spiritual warfare. When you're being tempted, you are right smack in the middle of a combat zone. So, this is really important because temptation is when we are demonically inspired or enticed uh, to transgress the will of God or the word of God or the purpose of God for our life. But I love 1 Corinthians 13, and Carrie, if you could bring that up again. I want you to look at those words, because those words really have a lot of weight. They have a lot of promise and power available to us. He said, there is 
there is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as common to man. Going to the next, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to bear. And he will give you, he will make a way of escape. And uh, so here's what we need to understand about temptation. These are not my points, but we need to understand these. It is inevitable. It is inevitable that you and I are going to be tempted in life. There comes no point in your life at which you are never going to be tempted again. It's going to come again and again. Not only that, it's universal. It happens to all of us. There is no one in this room that is exempt from temptation. Every child of God is going to be tempted. Before you became a Christian, you made choices that weren't a temptation to you. They were just the way you lived. But because the righteousness of Jesus now flows through you, things that weren't a problem for you before now become an issue. And so it's common. Everybody in this room, it happens to all of us. So it's inevitable. It's universal. But that doesn't make Make it out that you're sinful. When you are tempted, you need to understand something. You know, when, when you start grappling with temptation, if you're like me, you start feeling, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why am I dealing with this again? I'm not the only one in the room, right? Why am I struggling with this? Why am I battling There must be something wrong with you. No, listen, there's something right with you. That's why you're being tempted. Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so it is inevitable. It is universal. It doesn't make you sinful. But listen, it is escapable. You can get out of this because of God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful. The Bible says that he will give us the strength to deal with it and the strategy to get out of it. Praise God. Isn't that a good word? Told you, great for mothers. Moms need to hear this. (laughs) Remember that temptation is common to man. In fact, all throughout God's word, you find men and women who dealt with temptation. And some of them won the battle, but some of them lost the battle. And so today, I want us to do kind of an interview. I want us to interview some characters of the Bible, some people of the Bible, and ask them, how did you win? Or from your failure, what could you teach us now? And so let's begin where it all began. Let's go to Eve since she's the mother of all creation. And Eve, I think, would tell us where it concerns temptation, if you want to get out of it, if you want to win the battle, stop entertaining the devil's lies. Stop listening to the devil. Stop talking to the devil. Now, here's a really important point. The Bible tells us that Adam and Eve were created basically in a perfect utopian state. They would walk and talk with God. But isn't it interesting that this woman who did not know sin and who loved God, walked with God, talked with God, could also communicate with the devil? If you can listen to God, if you can hear God, 
Listen, you, you can also hear the enemy. And the last thing that we need to do is to pay attention or entertain the lies of the devil as he comes against us. And Paul spoke of this whole thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul says, here's where the breakdown of all brokenness and all sin and all separation and all hurt took place. It started when you started entertaining the thoughts that did not come from God. And listen, they really didn't even come from you necessarily. They came out of the pit of hell. And because she listened and communicated and heard and then carried on a conversation, at least in her mind, she was overcome by the cunning. And it opened the door to the foothold of the enemy, walking in, setting up house, giving opportunity where there could be a breakdown. Just as Eve talked with God, she could communicate with the devil. So if you can hear from God, please don't listen to the devil. Here's how he communicates. Here's what he does. You know what he does? He plays upon our desires. He plays on our desires. Listen, let me show you. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, but each one, look at these words. This is really important. Each one of us is tempted when he or she is drawn away by their own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do you see how this thing plays out? Here's how it all begins. The enemy comes in, he slithers in, and begins to talk to us based upon our own desires. And everybody in this room has desires. Every single one of us have desires. Some of those desires are wrong desires. They're desires based in insecurities. And they're desires based in passions and lusts and maybe envy or unforgiveness. We all have these inner desires that are going on in our life. We all have good desires too, but sometimes we want, we have good desires, but we want them the wrong way or at the wrong time. And so the enemy comes in and he toys with us based upon our inner desires based upon what's going on in our heart, what we really want or how we want it. And so he talks to us instead of waiting for God's way to take place in your life, he's saying you really need to take matters into your own hands and do it your way. And so we start to entertain this and he's toying with our desires. And then he gets us to begin to question the word of God or to doubt the word of God. Desire doubting God's word, Satan begins to question the validity of God's word concerning your life, your situation, your heart, your circumstance. And if he can get us, if he can pull on our desires and begin to get us to doubt God's word, then we're deceived. And you know what deception is? Deception is when we don't believe what is true or we twist what is true to fit into our own circumstance. And when we get into the place of deception in our life, then we disobey. Eve would say to us, if you're being tempted right now, the last thing you need to do is talk to the devil. Stop listening to him. 
Stop playing these things in your head that you know are contrary to what God has already revealed. Stop rationalizing why you're about to do this, why this is good for you, why this is okay, why God could see it another way. You know when you rationalize what you do? Rationally, you lie to yourself. That's what rational lies is. It's rational lies. Come on now. So, Eve, how am I doing? Okay. Eve would say, stop entertaining the devil's lives. Esau, Esau's another guy that we can learn from, and I think he'd say, stop paying attention to your emotional triggers. You know what a trigger is? A trigger on a gun is something that you pull, it fires off, and it can be deadly. The enemy, here's, our, here's some of our greatest triggers in life what's happening in me emotionally. Negative emotions in our soul are what the enemy plays with. He pulls on. Temptation, oftentimes, when we're facing temptation in our lives, we are most vulnerable. And here, listen, the devil knows this about you and me. He knows that if I'm emotionally in a desperate place, in a difficult place in my life, he will play on that, my brokenness, my hurt, my emptiness, whatever's going on in my emotions, and he will tempt me accordingly. And if we're not aware of that, it could be deadly, like it was for Esau. The Bible said Esau came in one day. He was hungry. He was weary. He was tired. And he said to Jacob, make me some food. And Jacob said, sure, I'll make you food. You give me your birthright. And he said, what is the birthright going to do for my hunger? He said, it's yours. He took the bait. And he lost a battle. He lost his birthright because of his hunger for something because he was hungry for something. See, this is what the enemy does. He comes in when we're tired, when we're weak, when we feel empty, when we're dissatisfied, when we're depressed, when we're lonely. He catches us in those places. And we say, I need something to fill this emptiness. I'm looking for something to make me happy. I feel depressed and I need some quick fix or I need some sort of fix in my life to get me out of this humdrum in my spirit. And the enemy, like Jacob, will come in and say, well, I'll give you this. That'll take it away. And you don't realize what you're forfeiting in your own soul when you take the bait. And that's what happens to us. And so, just like Esau, when we give it up, when we surrender, when we take the bait, there's a bitterness that comes in, a shame and a guilt, something that just overwhelms our soul and we grapple with this. And then, and then if we don't know how to run to the Lord and depend upon the Lord and seek God's forgiveness in our life and be free from that and truly repent of that, we get into this cycle of trying to do the right thing, constantly failing at it and feeling guilty over it and never really breaking out of the cycle. 
We just keep satisfying with those things, those tempting things to numb the pain or the emptiness on the inside. We keep going back to the same thing. Amen. How are we doing out there? Is this a Mother's Day message? Satan knows where we are weak. He knows, listen, let me just say this. He knows you better than you know yourself sometimes. He knows how to play on your emotions. That's what happened to Esau in his weariness, in his brokenness, in his hunger. He was vulnerable and he lost so much. And that's where many of us are losing it. Here's another person that if we ask them, we say, hey, how, did you, how do you break the cycle? What did you do in your temptation? I think Joseph would say, run. Everybody say, run. run. Joseph was a man with dreams. He was a man with destiny. He was on his way up, but the devil was seeking to bring him down. So we kind of know the story about Joseph. Bible said he was good looking physically and facially. He had it all together. He was an attractive person. And Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph. And she wanted him and she seduced him. The Bible is very clear. Daily, she would seduce him to come to bed with her. And Joseph would basically tell her no every day. And then one day, and the, the Bible's really clear about this, that Potiphar was gone and no one else was in the house. And this is probably where Joseph messed up, if he messed up, was he went into the house with no one else in there. And it says that's what he did. No one else was home. And he went in there, and then she took a hold of him, and she wanted him, and he had to literally run out of his clothing to get out of there. Amen. There are times when we put ourselves in a situation maybe we shouldn't have. And when you realize what you've done, you need to run. The only way to get out of the situation is to run from it. Like, get out. Come on, everybody say get out. Don't put yourself there to begin with, but if you find yourself in a place, get out of there. Run. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know what he's talking to? Christians. He's talking to people like you and me. And he's saying to us, don't think you're strong enough that you can handle it or that you can deal with it or that you've come to some place of some spiritual high place in your life where you don't need to Protect yourself. No, he says you need to realize you are capable of falling. Amen. Some people think they can handle it. You should stop trusting in yourself. 
Stop trusting in yourself. There are two things that are really deceitful. Hear me now. The devil is a deceiver, but so is your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is, is deceitful above all things. Solomon said in Proverbs 4, 23, above all, guard your heart. Don't trust in yourself that you can do this in your own strength. Run out of the situation. Remember Peter? Peter said to the Lord, Lord, I won't fail you. I won't, I won't deny you. I won't turn away from you. I won't run away. And Jesus said to him, you don't even know, but Satan has already got a plot and a plan to destroy you. And then even later in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter was sleeping when he should have been praying. And the Lord said, you don't realize the temptation that's about to come. You're not strong enough. You can't do this in your own strength. What's the answer? Flee, run, get out. Amen. You say, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Hurt their feelings. <laughs> Who gives a flying flip? One day you're not going to be standing in front of them. You're going to be standing in front of the Lord. Run. Who cares what they think? Some of us think we're strong enough. Some of us think that we can go to the same places, the same sites, deal with the same situation, the same people, do the same thing that we were doing before we came to Christ. We're strong. I'm strong enough. I can hold it together. No, you can't. You can't. Run. The New Testament word is flee. Flee, the word flee in the original language means to take flight like a bird. Get out of there. Make like Casey in the sunshine band and put on your boogie shoes. <laughs> Come on now. Don't make me start my disco up here. Here's what Paul said. Flee sexual immorality. Get out of that situation before it's too late. Sexual immorality is any sexual relations on any level that is other than God-directed and God-designed. And that deals all the way from adulterous affair to fornication, which is sex outside of marriage, to homosexual relationships, and all of those, all, all of the above. Flee, run from sexual immorality. Run from idolatry. Idolatry is anything, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's something that's before God in your life. Run from it. He also said, flee materialism or the desire to be wealthy which comes, he said, with all kinds of pain. And you pierce yourself through. Run from it. He also said, run from youthful lusts, which basically refers to selfish indulgence and selfish ambition. It's all about me. It's all about me. Run from that. Run. You're not strong enough. Flee. Amen. So, 
to run, you need to just get out of the situation. But wouldn't it be wise that we not put ourselves in the situation to begin with? And that brings us to the next person. His name is Samson. And I think Samson would say to us, you need to stay away from the temptation, tempting situations to begin with. Now, Samson was another man full of promise, but he was careless in how he walked. Amen. There's a lot of kids, God's kids, with full of promise, full of possibilities, but we're very careless in how we're living our lives and the places we're going, and the people we're hanging out with. And we're, it's not just that I'm just strong enough, we're just kind of not thinking things through. And we put ourselves in places that, and we make choices, we choose to do these things, that when it, when the heat is on, sometimes we just cave. And Samson's life is a lesson on the fact that you're free to make your choices, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. You're going to continue to make these choices in your life, and then you're going to have to live with the consequences of those things even though God loves you, even though God has a great plan and design on your life, but because you're a little careless and not walking in the wisdom of the Spirit and not paying attention to those places where I know that I don't even need to go there to begin with. And if there's something that's, whatever that there is in your life, that it's a point of stumbling in your life, then that there needs to be gone away with. Whatever that is, amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? amen. And so this is what Proverbs sixteen seventeen says. The highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their ways preserve their lives, meaning those who don't guard their ways wreck their lives. Now, God is a redeemer. Come on, can I get a good amen for that? He can take our messes and he can fix and repair, but why even go there to begin with? And so, the highway, it says there, of the upright avoids evil. Caution, temptation ahead. Take the right turn. Take the God turn. Be careful. And those who guard their ways preserve their lives. See, I think here's what the devil does. He tempts us, he tempts us with temptations that are detours to destruction. It comes off like this. Here's a shortcut to get where you want to get. And then you take the turn, you take the bait, you go with it, and then you realize you're on a dead end. Come on, 
Oh, this is good. This will work. This is work. This is a shortcut to the will of God or the plan of God. And then you take that turn and you're like, ah, this is going nowhere. This is this relationship is going nowhere. This situation is going nowhere. Amen. What the problem is, some of us are like Samson. We live too close to the line. Up here is, this is the line right here. And there's a right side and there's a wrong side. There's a God side and then there's that other side, right? And you know what we do? Instead of living over here and just really protecting ourselves from even toying with it, sometimes we live our lives to how, how much can I do and not go to hell? What can I do? And what we're doing here is we're straddling a lot of times where we're walking the line. I mean, Johnny Cash, when he said, I walk the line because you're mine, I mean, that was a good thing in a relationship with his wife, let's say. But you don't want to walk the line where it concerns the will of God. In other words, you don't want to get as close to the edge as you possibly can because that's when you stumble and fall into the dark side, so to speak. So what do we need to do? Instead of seeing how far I can go, I need to move the line. There's the line. Now I got my own line. I'm going to not even put myself in a place where there's even a possibility. And this is where People kind of get weirded out about Christianity. Oh, you're so narrow-minded. You're so strict. Where's your fun? Well, sometimes fun things are dead things. Or they lead to death. Now, we believe in happiness and joy and liberty. One of the saddest things and one of the most depressing things and one of the things that rob us of true happiness and joy is to fall into things that are destroying us. No, I'm happy here. I'm happy. I have the joy of the Lord here because I'm not continually falling off into stuff where I'm feeling the shame and the guilt all over again because that's my propensity when I fall to feel shame and guilt. So I'm going to live. I'm going to move the line. That's the line over there. I don't want to go beyond that, but I don't even need to live as close as I can to it. I'm going to make a new line. Protect myself. Amen. Preserve. Preserve. Amen. Here's a great scripture we need to get in our spirit. Psalms 16, verse 6. Oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Look. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I'm good over here. God has given me so much over here. I don't need that. I don't need to get as close. I don't need to toy around. This is not good. No, God's line for me, God's place for me. It's a pleasant place. It's a great place. It's good for me. Amen. Just doing anything for anybody. 
So turn to somebody and tell them, move the line. Go ahead and tell them that. Number five, I'm doing okay. This is a move of God. David, I think, would say to us, hey, listen, when it comes to temptation, consider the cost. Consider the cost. Think this through. Stop. Sit down. Think about it. Think about what you're about to do or go or yield to. Count the costs. David faced many temptations in his life. Some of them he conquered. Some of them conquered him. He's a man after God's own heart, but he also lived with a heartbrokenness because of things where he lost the battle. And of course, the most obvious of David's failures is his adulterous affair. In the heat of the moment, started with the eyes, and it got into the heart, and then it went into his body. And then to cover it up, he had a man murdered. I mean, you talk, I mean, this is, this is in the Bible. You can't make this stuff up. And he covers it up for a year. And then by the grace of God, he's confronted. He repented. And I read the story again the other day. And in that very moment of, of, of repenting, the Lord said, your sin is put away. Woo, come on now. I like that. I like it when sin is put away. He said, your sin is put away, but here's what the Lord also said. David, you're going to live with this choice. And he did. And he said, this is going to affect your house. It's going to affect your kids. It's, it's, you're going to experience great heartache. Now, God put away his sin. Come on. The Lord forgave him. God put away his sin, but he doesn't always reverse the consequence. But the point is, is that when we yield to these things, there's a consequence, and we need to understand the cost of it. And we need to ask ourselves the questions like, um, how, is, how am I going to feel about this in the morning? Like, really, ask yourself those questions. When the temptation, I know in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking those kind of things. I understand that. But we need to kind of think, we need to use our brain. And we need to get to a place in those moments instead of following the impulses of our flesh to put on the mind of Christ, which we have. And ask yourself, how am I going to feel about this in an hour? Or by tomorrow morning? I know the country song says, I may hate myself in the morning, but I'm going to love you tonight. No! 
Not a good idea. Ask yourself, how am I going to feel in the morning? Listen, ask yourself this question. How is this going to affect the lives of people important to me? How is this going to affect my husband or my wife or my children or people I work with? What's this going to do to them if this is exposed? Ask yourself this, how will this affect my reputation? You say, well, I don't really care, you know, I don't care what people think about me. You should. The Bible says you should. When they were choosing leaders in the church, they said, here it is, here it is. Number one thing, find people with a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wise. We live in a culture today, I don't care what you think about me, I don't care what my reputation, you know, it, yeah, you better care. It's your reputation, which shines a And maybe a better way to look at this would be, what is this going to do to the reputation of God? Jesus said, don't let your light be darkness. I know God's big. I know he can take care of himself, but I don't want to shine a dark light or put off a darkness. I'm a child of God. Amen. Come on, amen out there. Is this okay? I should have come up with a real Mother's Day message next year. We need to ask ourselves, how is this going to affect my dreams? What's this going to do to my life? What's this going to do to my hopes and my desires? Now again, I want to tell you something about God. He's redeemable. He can reverse the curse. Hallelujah. I stand as a testimony of God's crazy grace. I mean, unfathomable. But oftentimes we experience still the brokenness of that. Just kind of creeps back up and reminds you. Think about it. Just think about it. Amen. And then the final thing, and I got to do this quickly, is Jesus would say to us, use the weapon of God's word. Don't believe the lies. Pay attention to your emotions, what's going on in your heart, because the devil works on that. Run. Try to stay out of tempting situations to begin with so you don't have to run. Count the cost, but then you have God's word. Hallelujah. Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. That's a message all on its own. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness. I got hardly an amen. I got a giggle. I got a giggle. And he, in the wilderness, was tempted for 40 days. Satan tempted him, tempted Jesus to satisfy his own hunger. Do what you want for yourself. You can make your own choices. Do what you want. Jesus said, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to, I'm going to live by the word of God. Then the devil took him and tempted him to 
to be a powerful, significant person now. You don't have to do this God's way. I'll give you the kingdoms. Jesus said, no, there's only one person I worship, and it's not you, and it's not me. It's the Lord God. And then the devil came to him and tempted him to basically just believe in himself. And God will, you know, just took him up to a high pinnacle and said, just jump off because God will command his angels. And he said, nope, I am not going to put God to the test. I'm not. I trust God that he's going to bring me where he wants me to be. I'm not going to jump first and then think later, which is a lot of what we do. We jump first, and then we think about it later, and we're like, on the way down to pain, we're like, this was a mistake. (laughs) Every temptation of Satan to Jesus was a challenge to his identity. If you are the son of God, If you really belong to God, it was a challenge to his identity. It was to tempt him to compromise his integrity. Hopefully so that he would forfeit his destiny. That's what the enemy's out to do in your life. And how did Jesus handle it? He had the word. He lived by the word. And I want to tell you, you have a sword. It's called God's word. Let me do, I'm going to do this in closing. No music necessary because there's no time. But I'm going to do this in closing. You, have the, you need to unsheath your sword. Keep it unsheathed at all times. Here's how you do that. You need to know the word yourself. Now, it's great to go to counselors every time you fall down flat on your face. That's good. Wisdom in the multitude of counselors. How about you get to know God's word yourself so you know how to handle the devil when he comes. Know the word. The Bible said Jesus taught us you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. People say truth sets free. No, it doesn't. Knowledge of the truth, that's what sets free. If you don't know it yourself, there's no wonder why we are bound in bondage to whatever tempting thing comes our way, all the way from things sexual to things emotional to things related to food, uh, our uh, you know, relationships, whatever. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. There's so many different things. If you get God's truth in you and you know it yourself, you know how to handle it. You know how to cut off the head of it for yourself. Amen. Know the word, quote the word, get it in your mouth, get it on your tongue. Romans chapter 10, verse 8, says the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. Now, we know the word is near us. You have it on your phone. You have it in hard copy somewhere in your house. You forgot where, but it's there. It's near. It's near you, right? Come on, is the word near you? This word is near me. But I got to get this thing on my mouth. I got to, and where, Jesus said, what's in the heart comes out the mouth. So I got to get it in the heart so that in the heat of the moment, 
this sword becomes a sword out of my mouth, like when Jesus comes back to earth in Revelation 19 that says, by the sword of his mouth, he'll slay the enemy. Right? That's how you slay the enemy. You know the word of truth for yourself. You quote the word, you speak the word, and then you live the word. You put it into practice. And you just start living it every day of your life. Amen. Can we stand together? Happy Mother's Day. A temptation-free day for all the moms. Amen. Can I have the prayer people to come forward? Any prayer folks? Here they come. We believe in the power of prayer. If you're grappling with anything, any stronghold, any area or issue in your life that you need freedom from or healing in, there are people here that can pray for you and you can be free today. Amen. We believe that. You can be healed today or just any need in your heart. So I'm going to pray and you'll be dismissed and then I want to encourage you to come up and receive prayer. Father God, we love you so much and thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the power of your word. We believe in your word. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would receive this word, that we would hide it in our heart. Lord, you know that many of us deal with temptations that are behind closed doors, just things that nobody else really knows about. And you said, you said that there is no temptation that has overtaken you. And sometimes that's what we're dealing with, something that has overtaken us. But God, we believe that you want to make us overcomers of what, whatever overtakes us. And so I pray today, God, that we would hide this word in our heart, that we might not sin against you, and that we could walk in freedom Help us, God. We want to walk in the freedom and the joy of the Lord. So, Lord, I just pray for any one of us, whatever our struggles might be in any dimension, God, that we would step into a new realm today. Hallelujah. Bless your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.